What's up, queens? Welcome to the Female Dating Strategy Podcast, the meanest female-only podcast on the internet. I'm Ro. I'm Savannah. And I'm Lilith. All right. So today's episode, we're going to talk about hobosexuals. (laughs) And also hobosexuals in the context of the larger homelessness problem, because there was some discussion on our Twitter accounts in the past week, or at least, I don't know, Lilith, you actually explain what happened between a very prominent Twitter user who talked about her experience with homeless men. And then there became like a huge blow up on Twitter about just how sorry should we feel for transient homeless men? Yeah. So the context of this discussion or the events leading us to make this episode, basically. So last week on Twitter, one of my Twitter mutuals, Planet of Jaw, she tweeted, I hate homeless men. I don't give a fuck. I was just in Dunkin' Donuts, and when I went up to order, some homeless man came up asking me to buy him some food. And when he saw I wasn't going to do that, he got mad angry and literally put his hands in my face and pushed my head. Bro, when I tell you, I saw red. And then she has a whole thread basically explaining that she later gave money to a homeless woman and that that guy got really, really angry. And she got hugely dogpiled. At the time that I took a screenshot, it was almost... 1,300 quote tweets. She had almost 4,000 likes though, so that's pretty good. Not a bad ratio. (laughs) Not a terrible ratio. But yeah, a lot of people on Twitter were hating her for it. And, you know, we're going into her history, trying to dox her, you know, posting pictures of her face, like adding her to lists like people I'm gonna rob, (laughs) you know, stuff like that. Really like, you know, Twitter harassment, right? And I posted a tweet, you know, saying that she was based for posting this, basically. And she went on private, basically, to avoid getting harassed on Twitter. We wanted to talk about how she made a few good points, basically. Points were made. Points were made. Yeah, exactly. She wasn't wrong. She didn't lie. I was actually quite surprised by the backlash to that tweet and just how many people, including people who haven't had much interaction with homeless men, were just blindly defending like not just the homeless man but homeless men in general and I just think it's such a nuanced and complex discussion that I wasn't really seeing on Twitter and anybody who like myself who even suggested that actually there's an other side to it they were just you know called a nasty person you shouldn't be working with them I was like well yeah I know that's why I quit and I've been so much happier ever since I quit (laughs) but like that's not like an L like I got out of it so The homelessness conversation is the last bastion of male victimhood, right? Like that's the place where they most often claim that they're the most victimized and use this evidence that men are discriminated against in society. And I think this episode, we're going to try to dismantle a lot of that false information about like why some men end up homeless. And then like the idea that they are the victims in this situation and therefore like above criticism on their behavior, which I think what Planet of Jaw was trying to discuss is saying that like, listen, a lot of them are violent, a lot of them are dangerous, and it's a completely different ballpark of pathologies when you're dealing with homeless men versus homeless women. Yeah, 100%. And I want to point out the very interesting linguistic sleight of hand that was being played here, where she said she didn't like homeless men. And every single person who was hating on her was saying like, oh, you hate the homeless. You hate homeless people. And I want to say that I only give money to homeless women. I never use cash except I carry 20s in my wallet to give out to sad looking homeless women because I just want her to have some money and like that she doesn't have to prostitute herself for it, right? Like a lot of women living on the streets do have to, unfortunately, you know, do really fucked up dangerous things to get money, right? A lot of men sexually exploit them, sadly. And 
this is a completely different ballpark. Like homeless women are nowhere near as much of a threat to women as homeless men. Homeless men are a danger to, you know, it's not a class-based thing. Like even if you're wealthy, you could just be running down the street or something and some homeless man could attack you. And that's an area of like male privilege, not male victimhood, in my opinion. Right. A lot of crimes are committed by men who are usually described as transient, right? Especially the smash and grab sex crimes are like the, in fact, there was like just a huge case in the news recently because I think one woman who was a daughter of someone who was extremely wealthy in the United States, like she was jogging. She was, yeah, she was abducted and murdered by a homeless person. So there's just a lot of, there's just like a massive difference in why some of these men end up on the fringes of society. And it's not all because, you know, they're down in their luck. Like some of them are legit sociopaths and drug addicts and people that for whatever reason, we can't effectively integrate in society because they are too mentally and emotionally unwell or and or dangerous. Yeah. But there's definitely, I wanted to touch on the like systemic issues as well, because they are definitely present, you know, things, you know, such as being in care at a young age, you know, lack of opportunities, access you know, to jobs, to education, these can all be systemic factors. And especially in the UK as well, our benefit system or our welfare system, as you Americans say, I guess what I'm trying to say for some people, it doesn't actually, they earn more money on benefits by not working than actually being in work. So for example, like the hostel I worked at, if they didn't have a job, they would get their food, everything, you know, paid for by the state. Whereas if they then got a job, they would then have to pay like £1,500 a month for a room in a shithole. So it's like, if I was in that situation, I just wouldn't work because if I can get a shithole for free, why would I pay for it? <laughs> like £1,500 a month. And that was like three times my rent when I was like living in the area as well. So, and I don't actually blame them for choosing not to work or for working, you know, cash in hand. So they avoided the tax man because it made more economic sense for them to just not work if they then had to pay £1,500 out of their wages, which it wasn't like they were earning like loads and loads of money because oftentimes a lot of them were just in menial jobs or they weren't earning loads of money. So I can see why they would do that then and just decide not to work. And in a way, in that sense, the system then just sets them up to fail. Because if you then get comfortable not working, the longer you're out of work, it becomes more difficult to get back into work. And then you become trapped in the poverty cycle because the benefit system, it will never pay enough for you to have a life. It will just pay for you to survive in a lot of cases. Yeah. And this is a bit different than the United States, which is very state by state when it comes to quote unquote benefits and generally is focused on single mothers. Uh, there's not as many eligible benefits for single unattached men. For able-bodied men. Yeah. Good. I'm glad they don't get any benefits. <laughs> well, okay. So this is why it becomes like somewhat controversial because of the fact that we don't have nearly as strong as a social safety net as parts of Europe, right? So when we talk about who all is in the homeless, there's poor, right? But then there's also a lot of people who are mentally ill that we don't have uh, public services for them to attend. People who are drug addicts that they can't necessarily afford rehab because we don't necessarily add all those things as a public service either. So sometimes it's a little bit tough to have this conversation, especially with people who are like big homeless advocates, etc. Because we really don't have a lot of options even for people who maybe in good faith don't want to be transient anymore. But that's not the but that's not the entire story because the people that are just more or less poor, especially single able-bodied men who are just poor 
And they don't have like some kind of mental or emotional issues such that like they scare people away and or like have alienated the people around them. They tend not to be transient or homeless nearly as long as these other group of men who have like serious biological problems. But then you also have to be worried about them somewhat because like I feel like that demographic of like the sane enough to talk to women, but not insane enough to be a permanent transient person. Like that's the hobosexual population. Those are the men that are trying to like talk to you and like sweet talk their way into your situation, right? So, and you'll find a lot of guys who got out of jail who are in that population too. So you have a lot of men who went to jail for some crime. It's harder for men who come out of jail to get apartments, to get jobs, to get benefits, et cetera. So like they then need to like either live usually in their car or someplace where they have relatives, or if they don't have anything like that, they'll have to rely on women to support them. And quite literally, if you go on YouTube and listen to interviews with these like ex-cons and stuff, and like a lot of them just straight up say that like, oh, they just start pen pal relationships with overweight women while they're in jail so that they have a place to go. Or older women, like, so they have a place to go when they come out of jail. So that population of homeless men that's like the hobosexual one. And it, once again, since they're ex-cons, and if it's anything other than like some of the unfair draconian drug laws in the United States, which again, which is why people feel bad for them because some people went to jail for 10 years for like small amounts of marijuana. So there's that population and they are kind of predatory on women because they can at least talk to women like a normal person. But then there's the other ones that are just, they're too far gone to be integrated in society in any type of easy, feasible way. Yeah. Even within like the homeless hostels, you always had like the men, because there wasn't very many women. Um, but I remember there was one lady, she was always, she just always had money. Like she, her rent was always paid on time. I know that's a low bar to set, but she was actually in credit on her rent account. She always had money. And there was this ex-con who was like 30 years younger than her and started a relationship with her and basically just to get her money, basically. So even in these hostel situations, <laughs> the same dynamics happen as well. I hate stories about men being mooches on women because these men don't even treat these women very well. A lot of the time these men are like go after women that they consider like that society might deem like undesirable. Yeah. Like, so, you know, maybe overweight, maybe she's like older than him or something like that. And you know, they'll get in this relationship. And if she ever tries to assert a boundary or something, he'll be like, well, no other man would want you. Like I'm the only man who wants you, that kind of stuff. And like manipulating her abandonment issues, shit like that. Right. Like I see that sort of thing play out all the time and it just makes me so angry. And it makes it really hard for me to feel compassion for these men, because I know that if they had an opportunity to exploit a woman, it almost doesn't matter to me if this man is exploited. I know that if he had a chance, he would exploit a woman. And so I just need to cut off my ability to feel compassion for them because they manipulate that compassion. Yeah. And like, what was that doubly sad about this particular situation? And I guess it goes back to, you know, pick meism in the homeless population to some degree is that the woman in this situation, she would actually risk her own tenancy to help this guy out. So when he got evicted due to like not paying his rent and, you know, starting a fight that he lost, by the way, it was actually hilarious. He picked a fight with some with another man who was smaller than him and he basically got beat the shit out of. And I remember watching, I remember watching the CCTV back with my colleagues and we were all just pissing ourselves <laughs> He started the fight, lost and got kicked out. And it was just like multiple L's in the same day. So after he got kicked out, and it was always the smaller guys, actually, they could scrap. Like they were like the most vicious scrappers, like the guys who were like five, six, like, I mean, they would be beating the shit out of guys who were like six, four, 220 pounds, like really beating the shit out of them. Yeah, because larger guys just think that they can go around being untrained and like they rely on their size. 
They like rely on their sides like, oh yeah, I could win a fight. Like they've like watched so many karate movies or whatever. Yeah, I could just like karate chop his head off, whatever. Yeah, their size, but honestly, it's the smaller guys who were the most vicious. Like they were They gotta work on their skills. <laughs> yeah, on like one occasion there was a guy who was like six foot four getting he got the shit like kicked out of him by like a guy who was like five foot five. And the guy kept saying, I'm going to kill him, I'm going to kill him. And I was so tempted to say, mate, he almost killed you. So you're not killing anybody because he nearly killed you. But yeah, so she would, that's this lady, she would like risk her tenancy by sneaking him in. She would sneak him out food. And it's like, a guy would never do that for you. Like if she had been evicted, that would be like, he'd just forget about her. And so you see that sort of, you know, pick me dynamic as well within homeless women where they would risk, you know, losing, you know, their shelter for a guy who would not do the same for them. Yeah, again, that's a very important reminder. Like, and I think all women need to be reminded of this. Like, whenever you have that feeling of like, oh, this guy is struggling. I should do something nice for him. I should like save him from himself or whatever. He would not do the same for you. Yeah. And again, men are actually in a lot of ways resentful of women who caretake them because they know that it makes them less respectable in the eyes of others right? This is another Barbara the Builder situation that if they had other options, and as soon as they do have other options, they're likely to take it. So on to the actual tea about homeless men then, because one thing I noticed in the discourse on Twitter was that the people that were coming down on people like Lilith and Jar the Loudest, from what they were saying, I could tell they hadn't had much experience directly with homeless men. And as a result, they developed a sort of romanticized view of them so that, oh, they're traumatized. They can't help it. They just need understanding and support. You know, we should all be understanding of their trauma. Why don't you just vote to solve poverty first? You know, that's why they, you know, treat people like shit when the reality is it's not that straightforward. I worked with on the front line with homeless people for two years. I served and I recently came out of it. I would never go back <laughs> because, but it was also a really good experience and it really shifted like my own views on homelessness because before I started the job, I thought the same. I just thought, yeah, these people just need, you know, shelter, understanding and support and they'll be fine. But the reality is it's, it's a lot more complex. You have the interplay of the system issues so things like them having a criminal record things like them being homeless since the age of 10 uh, things like you know many of them were subjected to horrific abuse in childhood and adulthood i remember one like resident he couldn't work with men because he'd been abused by men so he was literally scared of men even though he was a man himself it was really really sad so only women could deal with him because he'd been traumatized that much that he just wouldn't deal with men in any capacity. And when there was one of my colleagues was a man and tried to calm him down, he just freaked the fuck out. Like he actually punched him in the face like numerous times, I guess like self-defense because he was just like, you're a man. Like, so that was really bad. And you also have their individual choices. Now, when I say that men have been made homeless due to their own personal choices, that's not the same as me saying they deserve to be homeless. But in the real world, actions have consequences. So if you are a dick to your family members and they throw you out of the house, then you'll be homeless. If you commit a crime and you go to prison and you come out, you're likely to be homeless. If you break the rules of the hostel, which they all knew about and they signed up to, you will be homeless. 
if you're depending on a woman to pay your rent and you abuse her and she kicks you out, then you'll be homeless. You'll be homeless. But yeah, so there's that complex interplay. And this whole idea that, like Rose said at the top of the episode, that homeless men are just beyond criticism. Like, there's a lot to criticize there <laughs> in terms of how they carry themselves, the choices that they make. Because unfortunately, they are not only destructive to themselves, but they can also be destructive to other people. And, you know, yes, you know, many of them have been subjected to horrific trauma, whether that was on the front line in a war or in abuse they were subjected to in childhood or adulthood. But that doesn't give them a pass to go ahead and abuse other people. I keep coming back to what Lindy Bancroft said about abusive men and people who resort to abusive tactics in the sense that, you know, they do it because they can get away with it. And that was my experience as well. So literally at the hostel, they didn't really mess with me that much because I wasn't out to be their friend. And I made that quite clear. Like I would say no to them quite often and stick up for myself, but they would try to manipulate and push boundaries with other members of staff because they knew that they would get away with it sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? And so, you know, they know what they're doing. It's not down to trauma. It's not down to, you know, them not knowing any better. You know, some of them are really, really skilled manipulators and liars as well. Like they would, you know, you'd go into their room, it would be full of smoke and they would say, I wasn't smoking in my room. And it's like, you can literally like, the room is full of smoke. And then they would just try and bullshit you. And it's just stuff like that. And the turnover rate in these hostels is ridiculously high because people go in with the best of intentions. Like nobody, you know, would sign up to work in somewhere like a hostel just to be a dickhead because the pay is not that great. The hours aren't great. So people genuinely want to help. But it got to a point where at the hostel I worked at, it was either people lasted, you know, for less than six months or they were there for 10 years because people would just, they would just churn people out so quickly. And it was a combination of the low pay, the long hours, but also the way they were treated by a lot of the residents. It was an abusive environment, basically. And me personally, I only realized how abusive it was when I came out of it and I moved into a different role where I'm working with men who've got money and who have jobs. (laughs) And the way I'm treated is totally different. Like I now realize like when, you know, guys on Twitter say, I'll stay with a man, build him, you know, well, in my experience, obviously I'm not saying every guy who has money is a saint, that's not true. But in my experience anyway, the guys who have like money and who are well adjusted, have jobs, they've treated me way better on average than the guys who don't have that. Yeah. So they're really polite, really respectful. And even when they have a reason to fly off the handle, so let's say something in their apartment is broken or they have no hot water, they communicate in a very, very respectful way. Whereas at the hostel, that you could get some of the male residents calling you a cunt because they didn't like what was served for dinner and it was free. So it's just that, yeah, it was a very character building experience. That's a very diplomatic way to put it, a very character building experience. It was. And I just feel like all the people saying like, and here's the thing, a lot of people say like, you don't know why they're homeless, like they're harmless. I was like, well, I do know how dangerous they are because every resident who came in, they have a risk assessment, which is basically an outline of their background. So if they've gone to prison, if they have any mental health difficulties, relationships with family, like every resident had one. And it would normally be about 10 pages because you would see the usual. So they'd be diagnosed with depression, anxiety. They maybe did a couple of stints in prison. Some of them did like, I remember one did like 30 different stretches of time in prison, but he was actually one of the nicer residents. I actually quite liked him. I got on really well with him actually. 
Um, <laughs> but I remember one time just before I left the hostel, there was a resident. His risk assessment was 75 pages long. He had committed every, I think he'd even done attempted murder, but short of actually like someone ending up dead because of him, he'd committed every crime you could think of. If you think about the average thesis, that's longer than a thesis. That was how long his rap sheet was. And I was just reading it in disbelief that they could allow someone so dangerous. Wait, he was a staff member, not a resident? No, 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 no. He was a resident. Okay, okay. So, but the thing is, like, we would have to manage that risk. And the thing is, we weren't trained in things like security or we don't have guns like they do in the US. So, I mean, so they literally had to hire an extra security guard just for him to literally follow him around because majority of his offences were sexual offences towards women. And just as I was leaving, I heard murmurs of him like sexually harassing the staff members as well. And there was a lot of sex offenders in there, like paedophiles. I'm talking like straight up paedophiles, like the Carl Anderson open paedophiles. Like that was a guy who was quite old. He was really sweet, really, really nice. In the States, that's actually a huge portion of the population of homeless people because depending on the state, they can't live within a certain amount of miles of where there are children. Of children, yeah. It's it's the same in the UK. Like, they're restricted in terms of their movements. But there was one, he had, like, was it 100,000 files of Category A child porn, which is, like, the worst one you can imagine. And he was banned from the internet. Wait, he got banned from the internet? How does one person get banned from using the internet? Because he had, like, 100,000 files of the worst kind of child porn you can imagine. Like, how do they enforce that? Can he just, like, buy a phone, get a SIM card? Like, No, I think they have a way to track it. You can actually, it's an actual, like, punishment in the UK. It's quite rare, but I guess his... He deserved it, yeah. Child porn habit, like, warranted it. Yeah, so he couldn't use the internet, basically. And a lot of them were rapists. A lot of them, like, sexually assaulted, you know, men and women. It was just, I rarely met a resident who hadn't done a stint in prison for some form of violent crime in my time there. And I came across thousands of these men. And a lot of it was domestic violence, uh, rape, uh, sexual assault. Yeah. So it wasn't like they were just down on that because I did find that the ones who were just down on their luck, they tended to get themselves out of the hole. Like they would find a job and they would eventually move out and not come back. But that hostel in particular, there was a high return rate. So they'd get evicted for not paying rent. Two months later, you'd see them back in there again and the cycle continued. And it was only this year where they realized that some of them are just never going to get out of like the homeless cycle. Like they actually need to build a long-term facility for some of these men because even with all the help in the world, bearing in mind, I worked at a facility where it was supported living. So they had a dedicated support worker. They had two meals a day included. They had activities included. Like at Christmas, they would get more presents and better food than me. Like, so they had like a really, really good setup. And even then some of them just couldn't do it. Like, you know, we would even go as far as, and it was a practice I disagreed with, but we would book their doctor's appointments for them. And I was always like, if they can like ring up their mates to go and buy weed, why can't they call the doctors for themselves? Like, so I just refused to do it. And I'm not booking a grown man's doctor's appointments. Like, that's ridiculous. Um, Unless, of course, they didn't have a phone or they, you know, like had some sort of condition, which meant they couldn't communicate very well. 
But at least in the UK, you know, quite a few of the hostels are actually supported living environments. So when people say, oh, homeless people just don't have the support, I'm not saying it's not the case in, you know, for everybody. And I'm sure there are plenty of homeless people out there who are without support. But there are also supported living facilities for homeless people. And within those facilities, there are many, you know, men, so to speak, who just don't respond or don't engage with the support as well as they should. Yeah, I mean, I am biased against these sorts of men because, you know, there are men in my own family that, you know, I've talked about this on the podcast before, like how, you know, my great grandfather were like really shitty people that like domestically abused their wives and traumatized their kids. And so there's like generations of trauma there with not only me and my sister, but my cousins as well. And my second cousins, you know, honestly, probably going to be a few generations before we stop being fucked up. But you know, then the climate apocalypse is going to happen. So that'll sort itself out. But yes, I have like cousins who, you know, have been in and out of homeless shelters. They, some are addicts. Like I had one cousin in particular who spent some time in foster care, but as like an older teen. And when you're like an older teen in foster care and a lot of times they'll be in like a sort of group home kind of situation. And he was like molesting the other girls there and sometimes boys too, and got kicked out of his group home. And what the story that we heard first that he was telling everybody that was that he claimed that he was sexually abused in foster care or in this group home, but actually he was the actual sexual abuser. Like he was going around telling people like, Oh, you know, help me. Like I was like, you know, I was in foster care. I was like molested in my group home. Like, you know, I have so much trauma, like help me kind of thing. And we found out later that was not actually true that he'd like molested a ton of girls. And so that was something that really shook me when I was younger. Me and him were about the same age. So I was in my late teens and early twenties when I found this out. And that was one of those. And my family, like my parents, he actually came knocking on my parents' door at one point asking for their help. And he stayed the night at our house a few times. Like we didn't get molested, but like, you know, that was the thing that could have happened. Right. And, you know, and he robbed us as well. So there's like a whole, like he stole shit from us as well. So like my parents stopped like letting him come over. (laughs) Right. But this is the story of a lot of these guys, like we're laughing, but like, (laughs) it was really shitty for us at the time to wake up in the morning and there's no TVs in your house. Like, Oh, we, we gave him a place to stay in like a dinner the night before. Right. You know, you know, we're so sorry what you went through, Todd, like we're going to get you through this kind of thing. And like, yeah, and he just like, I mean, I'm glad that he robbed us instead of molested us. Like between the two things, honestly, I think losing our TVs was less traumatic probably than getting like literally raped. So I'm, I'm actually glad, like given the two options that he could have done, he went with that one. You know, still like these sorts of men are dangerous and they're not just a danger to themselves, but they're a danger to the people who help them a lot of the times, right? That's why I'm kind of biased against these men and why I'd always advise women to exercise caution with these sorts of men with these sorts of sob stories because a lot of times they'll say oh i'm a victim i've done this and this but they're not the victim they were the perpetrator and the reason why they're homeless is because they got caught they finally got faced consequences for their actions and living on the streets i think is a fair consequence for men who are like child molesters like i think men like that deserve to suffer honestly like Social isolation. It's, they're supposed to be socially isolated from people who would be victimized by them. 
And that's like an uncomfortable conversation because I think a lot of the do-gooder types, they think about this problem in terms of numbers and in the abstract. And this is what happens a lot of times with academia or like women who take up these pet causes because they like, I'm going to go fly to some remote village in uh, Africa and save the people there. Like they have the savior complex and they just don't understand the politics um, on the ground level is way, 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 way more complex than they've been led to believe. Like, I would love to say that like the homelessness problem is is as simple as just like building more homes. But the truth of the matter is it's not. And this is a big problem in the States right now. There's like a huge conversation about some of these states that have much larger populations of homeless. I think California being the largest one, if I'm not mistaken, of like unsheltered homeless people, meaning homeless people that just quite literally live on the street in tent cities. And there's other states that have homeless people, but they have a better infrastructure of like hostels and different places for them to stay. But a lot of other states, because they don't have any infrastructure for homeless people, especially red states, which is quite literally bust their homeless to California. So California has an influx of people that are living on the street and bringing back these like throwback viruses and throwback sicknesses like leprosy, like hantavirus and stuff like that, because there's so many of them on the street, it became like a huge public health crisis. So what California is like now trying to do is figure out like, what do you do with this population? Like there's a certain percentage for which if we just build affordable housing, or at least like some kind of uh, more of a shelter system that they can stay, then they won't be on the street and then possibly could get their life together enough to be more integrated into society. But then there's just like these complete psychopaths that are dangerous like my cousin. And yes, he did experience trauma with from his parents, like my aunt and uncle did kind of fuck him up, right? But it's like, what do you do with men like that, where they've been through some fucked up shit, and they're like a hurricane causing destruction in the lives of everyone they interact with? How do you deal with men like that? But here's the thing as well, is that I find it quite interesting how people tend to use trauma as an excuse for why homeless men are shitty, but they don't extend that same empathy or sympathy to women. Uh, not just homeless women, but women as a class. Like if you look at the statistics on sexual abuse, like most women have been subjected to sexual abuse. But when, you know, we have things like FDS or anything that tells women that you don't have to downplay your hurt or whatever, we're just seen as bitter and angry and we need to get over it or not all men. But when it's men who experience trauma, it's like the worst thing in the world. And that justifies them treating other people badly, even people who are trying to help them. And the other thing is, is that when you look at sexual abuse statistics, it is overwhelmingly male and female and overwhelming the offenders are male. And so there's not a direct correlation between being abused and then becoming a sex offender yourself, right? Because if that were the case, there would be a lot more female sex offenders. Because there'd be a lot more female pedophiles than there are right now, right? Because women and girls face so much sexual abuse. You know, if it was true that like trauma caused people to become abusive or toxic or violent and so on, you'd see a lot more women who are serial killers, rapists and so on, right? Because women also face this trauma. And like, if anything, like women's trauma gets like weaponized against women. Like, you know, I've seen people insult women like, oh, she looks like she was molested as a kid. That was an actual insult. I heard a guy or she's got daddy issues or whatever, you know? Yeah, like it's weaponized against women. But when men are, you know, quote unquote, traumatized, it's used as, as like, oh, we should feel compassion for him when he's doing terrible things. 
oh, it's not his fault. Like, you can't help it. And I literally challenged somebody on that when they tried to throw the argument at me. I was like, but what about all the staff who are trying to help these men? Aren't they being traumatized by being verbally abused or being, you know, gripped against the wall or being entrapped in the office because they're going on a rampage, threatening to kill themselves? It's just like women and, you know, these people who work in these homeless hostels, men love to say, you know, women don't care about our problems, but it's overwhelmingly women. If you go into any homeless hostel, even if it's full of men, you'll find that it's overwhelmingly women who are staffing it, who are supporting these men, who give these men, you know, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, tenth, a hundredth chances. It's not really men doing the legwork, it's women still. And they just feel so entitled. Yeah, if it wasn't for women, the entire caretaking industry would collapse. It would collapse and it just feeds into that. And, you know, going back to what we say at FDS, the way men and society in general, even other women, I guess down to internalized misogyny, they feel so entitled to women's emotional labor, especially when it comes to essentially shitty men. They just feel so entitled to it. And there's no consideration for their feelings. It should just always be about the man and his feelings. Even if he's treating them really badly, they should just understand it and just get on with their job. And then if they can't hack it, they're a bad person. If they can't take the abuse anymore, then they're a terrible person. It's really an abusive... It's abusive dynamic. It's a dynamic that exists, like, that's society-wide, but it also exists on, like, the individual level, where society is revolved around the feelings and the needs of men, and in an abusive relationship, the relationship is centered on the feelings and the needs of the abuser, and the female partner, like, her needs and her wants are seen as irrelevant, or as inconvenient, or as, as an obstacle to the man's happiness, right? So this whole discussion on like, we need to feel bad for homeless men, even though a lot of them do terrible things to women, like exactly the sort of discussion that we see on, you know, men who are abusers in relationships, they often play the victim as well, or they often make themselves seem out to be a victim as well. Or they say, oh, I abuse because like my mom was abusive to me and like, you know. Or they'll just straight up Darvo and just say, you know, she's the abuser and that's actually what happened in the hostel is that they would say that we're the worst people in the world we're selfish we don't care about them you know whilst extracting our labor like from us and basically depending on us as well yeah and you see that in abusive relationships all the time right and so again like i tell women who are in abusive relationships all the time to like stop buying his darvos stop believing the lies that he tells you about yourself stop believing that the lies that he tells you about him right feel less compassion for it. When men know that you feel compassion for them, they'll emotionally manipulate you. Yeah, it's, ga- it's game over. And I saw this a lot at the hostel as well. And this is why I say, even if they're not like physically abusive or physically intimidating, don't underestimate the level of manipulation that these men will go to. Like in the UK, many of the people who are begging on the streets, for example, they're not actually homeless. They have somewhere to go as well. I was honestly shocked when I, you know, first heard that. And that was actually when I joined the hostel in my training. They said most or many of the people who were like begging on the street, they're not actually homeless. They have somewhere to go as well. That was the craziest thing when I was in Europe too. Like the homeless people in Europe are so much more like put together than the homeless people in like Canada. I don't know if Canada and the US have similar homeless people, but like the homeless people in Europe seemed like reasonably young and able-bodied. A lot of them like were dressed sort of like, I guess, kind of nicer. And like, yeah, a lot of them are like, why are they on the streets begging when they're on benefits? I don't understand that. Like, why do they do that? 
Because it's more money. It's more money. And I guess like it's like more money to spend on what they want to spend on. Because again, like, I think when I was at the hostel as well, they had to pay like a nominal rent out of their benefits. And a lot of them just hated paying for it, even though it was something ridiculous, like maybe £30 a week or something like that. Which if you're getting room, board, two meals included, that's like nothing, especially given how expensive rent is in the UK. And they just wouldn't want to pay for it. They would just, you know, want to spend it all on themselves and the way they spent money on drugs and alcohol was like nothing like I'd ever seen like what was really funny as well was that they would all know when each other was getting their benefits so you knew when somebody had just been paid because they would have like a swarm of the homeless people just like following them around because (laughs) they would get things like drugs and alcohol and I remember there was one gentleman who mistakenly received like five grand in benefits payments it was a mistake and he knew it was a mistake and the staff were telling him look send it back to dwp department of work and pension send it back and he was like yeah no i'll spend it all because then i'll only have to pay back like five pounds a week which is true like if you have no money dwp will take like maybe five pounds a week until you pay it back but obviously if it's five grand you'll never pay it back but he spent the whole lot in three days on drugs and alcohol just five grand Yeah, there's a lot of these like Hunter Biden types. (laughs) I don't know who Hunter Biden is. I don't know who he is. Okay, Hunter Biden is uh, Joe Biden's son who is a hardcore drug addict and has had a bunch. He's, (laughs) oh, it's actually a long story, but like he's a hardcore drug addict. Did he get a prostitute pregnant? Was that him? Uh, I think a stripper, but like, yeah, no, he's like frequents prostitutes all the time. And a bunch of videos leaked of him frequenting prostitutes, him being high, him smoking crack, all these types of things. So it's the guy who comes from privilege, who otherwise would be homeless if his father was not quite literally uh, highly connected. Literally the president. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> not even, before he was president, he was still a senator, but there's actually a high percentage. I don't know the percentage of this, but there's a decent percentage of men who are homeless who are basically hunter biden types they have a drug problem they're pathologically abusive to everyone around them and they want to spend all their money on gambling drugs and prostitution and they alienate their family so much that they have no other place to go but the street because they're too dangerous and too much of a liability for their family to take on right if you have them in their house and like lil said they rob you or they're bringing drugs and prostitutes into the house like if you are a law-abiding citizen you can't be around that right and without risk of the police getting involved. And I actually had a classmate that was like that, where came from a lot of wealth, mind you. A couple of my classmates, like shortly after graduation, we saw him like downtown high out of his mind, like ripping pages out of a book, just on the street. But like, this is a person who came from wealth, but he was essentially just so gone out of his mind, addicted to drugs and addicted to whatever else that he couldn't function in society. And I think he actually dropped out of our school. He didn't graduate with us. So there's things like that where, you know, when we talk about homelessness, like first of all, stratify by sex and say the homelessness problem among women in is vastly different than the homelessness problem among men. There's some overlap, but like to act as if the specifically homeless male problem isn't a significant portion of it is not of their own design would be a little bit disingenuous. Yeah. And also, actually, the number of homeless women is actually thought to be very underreported purely because there are women who are effectively homeless, but are being sexually exploited. So things like sex for rent, uh, sofa surfing, sleeping on the floor. These women are technically homeless, but they're not counted in the stats because they are housed in quotation marks, but their housing isn't secure. So in a sex for rent arrangement, if she decides to stop sleeping with the landlord, then she's homeless, basically. So even in that sort of situation, she's effectively homeless 
homeless because she has to do something that she probably doesn't want to do in order to secure housing. Right, because it's too dangerous for women to sleep on the street. So when people are trying to do homeless surveys, quite literally, like in, I know some of my friends that were working in research on like urban development, urban populations, like they would have to go do surveys and like quite literally count homeless sometimes. And yeah, you won't see as many women on the street because it's dangerous for them to be on the street, especially after dark. So yeah, there's a thought that females, women in general are criminally underreported, but also women tend to voluntarily seek help a lot more often. So the other problem is that the male homeless population, they don't want to help themselves nearly as much. So like whatever, call it machismo, maybe like there's not as much of a sense of immediacy as it is for women because of the fact that it's so dangerous for women. But the female population is much more likely to seek help and therefore find it as well as them not being so dangerous that they can't use the services that are publicly available. Because what disqualifies a lot of the men from publicly available services are like that long history and that long rap sheet that Savannah was talking about. It's like they're too dangerous for the public service professionals to try to help them. I want to point out that like when you're talking to incels online, you know, misogynists online, they'll always be like, well, if you go on the streets, 99% of the homeless people are men. Like that's a sign that men are oppressed by society. No, I would say that the fact that most homeless people are men is a sign of male privilege because homeless men are generally more safe on the streets than homeless women, right? The fact that women can't even be homeless without being attacked or raped or killed is itself like male privilege, right? They don't face the same dangers that homeless women face. Yeah, it's like I said, it's a choice for some of them, right? And a lot of women in abusive relationships, for example, there's a lot of women who would be homeless, but they choose to stay with their abuser because they see being with one man who beats them every night or, you know, or even just like emotionally abuses them, treats them like shit or whatever. That's seen as a better option to them than being on the streets and possibly getting serial killed, right? And that's actually a barrier to women reporting domestic abuse anyway, because if she's dependent on the guy to pay the rent or the mortgage, she's not going to you know, shop him to the police because then she'll lose her housing. And when I was training police officers in this, a lot of them were like, oh shit, yeah, I didn't think of that. Because it was like, are you going to give her a house? Are you going to pay her rent? Are you going to pay her mortgage? If she reports and this guy goes to prison, of course she won't. So, you know, when you're saying women need to report more, it's like, are you thinking about her housing situation? If she reports and then he goes to prison and she ends up homeless, how are you going to help her? You can't help her. Exactly. And a lot of, again, like the fact that women don't report domestic abuse for these economic reasons is seen as like, oh, you know, I guess women just like to be in abusive relationships. But she's effectively homeless. Yeah. Like they make it like, oh, women choose to be in abusive relationships. They don't take into account that the other option for her is usually worse. So with that in mind, though, should we talk about like how to spot a homosexual? Like, let's say you're on Tinder and you're swiping. I mean, I haven't used Tinder in a long time, but like, let's say you're on Tinder and you're swiping. What was the website that women were using to find prison pen pals? Oh, (laughs) go back and watch our 10, go listen to our 10 tips on dating a prisoner episode for that. Uh, ride of hilarity but yeah basically if you're prison pen pal but also i would say if a guy comes out of the bat and this doesn't just apply to homelessness but generally anyway i think it's a red flag if he starts with the sob stories right away so saying like oh i'm a victim i was just out of prison it wasn't my fault if he just gives any sort of aura of always being the victim I would just turn around and walk away, even if he's not homeless. But it means that he's trying to get your sympathy because generally speaking, like men don't 
share, especially with women emotionally, unless they're doing it for ulterior motives, especially a man you've just met. So I think it's a big red flag if a guy begins, if he leads with the sob stories. Yeah. So if he leads with the sob stories, red flag. If he's a prison pen pal, red flag. What's another red flag? I don't know. If he wants to like come over to your house immediately and when he goes to your place, like, you know, um, John Meehan, like, what was that story? The Dirty John, that story, right? He was a homosexual, right? And apparently one of the first things that he did is he wanted to go to her house and he was looking around and like, wow, it's so nice. And one of the first things that he did was lie in her bed and was like, wow, what a nice mattress kind of thing. You know, if he shows up at your house looking sort of underdressed and, you know, is really impressed by how nice your house is, he's like, he's house shopping. Like, he's not interested in you. He's wants, he wants just a place to sleep. And if like... Each time you see him, it's always either at your place or somewhere public. Like, you should verify that he has his own lodging somehow, even through a video call or just going to see it if possible. But yeah, if they're always too available, that's a sign that A, they don't have a job and or they don't have anywhere to live as well. Because like working people, there'll be times when they're just not available or do you know what I mean? Like they won't always be available. Exactly. Yeah. You know, women like a guy who replies to their text messages, you know, in less than 24 hours, right? We want a guy to text us back. We don't like when a guy texts us and then puts his phone down for like five hours and doesn't respond. But if he's at work, that's a good thing. If he responds to every single one of your text messages immediately, that means he's probably homeless. Yeah. And if he always wants to hang out, but you know, when you hang out, I see them in public or at your place, something's not quite right there. <laughs> if he doesn't mention having a relationship with any friends or family. Yeah, that's another big one. You know, he's just kind of out here. <laughs> or if his friend is named Toothless Joe, maybe that's that might be a red flag. <laughs> that's another thing is I would seriously question any man who doesn't have any kind of support network like cuz men always want to be like, "Oh, it's cuz, you know, of like they always want to make it seem like it's not their fault or, you know, that it's other people who aren't supporting them. But it's like, as a man, like, why do you have nobody? Like, even if your parents were terrible and they kicked you out and stuff, why not, like, go make an effort to, like, make friends, you know, build your own support network? Like, even if a man did go through something terrible, his, like, inability to build a support network is itself a red flag. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the journey of being a man and being able to contribute to your community. Like you do have to have some value to people, right? It doesn't mean that you have to like contribute monetarily, like if you don't have the money, but for people to not want you around at all, it's giving incel, right? Yeah. As a side note, a lot of these guys that are incels are, they would be the homeless demographic if their parents didn't house them, right? They don't have any friends except for online. They hate women. They're pathologically unable relationships with other people. And so like when you look at those types, you know, you have to make sure that when you're dealing with a man and he seems to not have any ties anywhere, it's very much a red flag and he might be a transient person in general. Or if he's just got generally poor social skills, because yeah, again, what I witnessed in the homeless population when I was there is that they generally have quite poor social skills. And like, okay, we discussed this in in another episode about the biggest barrier for poor men succeeding, especially with women, is there are a lot of women who take in these fix it, fixer upper type guys, right? Um, Or who will take in a man who makes less than them. The biggest barrier is like a lot of times their antagonism and misogyny when it comes to dealing with women. Because if you are poor and you see a lot of families that are poor, generally like the male and the female will work together, right? If they can't work together with a woman 
such that she would even want to have him as like a project, then you're dealing with a person who's got a, a pathological problem such that they shouldn't be around people. And there's even women that do take in these sociopaths. And that's where you get into a lot of times where you'll see like children being abused or being murdered on the news. And nine times out of 10, it's like mom's boyfriend she met two weeks ago and then moved in. And it's just some transient asshole. So I saw this like TikTok. It was on Twitter, but it was like a recording of a TikTok that was on Twitter. It was like, it had this uh, uplifting background music. Like you're supposed to see this as a success story, but it started out with like, I found this guy on the side of the road, took him home, cleaned him up, you know, got him some clothes, fed him, found him a job, all that kind of stuff, blah, blah, blah. And then he cheated on me. And <laughs> and I'm just like, girl, why would you go through so much effort? Why don't you just find a random guy on the side of the road, build him up, and then, like, for what, right? Like, I don't understand that. I, why would you do? <laughs> I don't get it, right? <laughs> and it, only for him to harm you? Like, yeah. Why can't you be roommates with a man, right? <laughs> yeah. And, like, I heard another story, like, a completely separate story, where, like, a woman, you know, offered a man a place to stay and he slit her throat, right? I see these kinds of stories and I'm like, you're taking on so much danger and giving so much to this guy. And what is he giving you in return? Nothing other than like the sense of satisfaction that you help someone. The other thing too, if men weren't dangerous, then they could become roommates with each other, right? Why can't they live with other men? Why? Because they know other men are shitty. <laughs> so they're always going to live with women because they can like enact their shittiness onto you. Because women aren't a threat to them and there's benefits of being with women, right? Exactly. But like my other thing too is a red flag is like, even if he has a bunch of like random people that live together in a nondescript place and he doesn't really know these people, then probably an evidence that he's a homosexual because he might be like a functioning homosexual, meaning not a threat to everybody because, you know, having roommates is somewhat normal, especially for younger people. But you start to realize like, okay, you know, is he trying to upgrade his situation and get out of uh, living with a bunch of men by trying to move in with me? That's another thing to watch out for. Like if you're dating a guy and he has roommates, it's important that his roommates should be like, yeah, longtime friends, like, oh, he's my, you know, his brother, his cousin, his like buddies known from high school, that kind of thing. That is an indication that he's capable of like building and maintaining long-term platonic relationships. I would consider that okay. If he has roommates that are just like a bunch of random people, it's like, oh, this is just a house with like five rooms and just five dudes living in it. It's a pigsty. And he doesn't really know or interact with these people. Yeah, he's the kind of guy he's going to be, he's shopping for a girlfriend that he can move in with. You know, that's the kind of guy he's going to go on online dating and find a woman who will let him move in with her. He'll say things like, I'm a homebody. Uh, <laughs> I love a woman who can make a home cooked meal. Like, <laughs> And also make sure as well that he's paying rent or contributing wherever he's staying as well. Like homeless men generally don't like to part with their money. So just make sure that they're contributing in a meaningful way, preferably financially as well, if they're living with roommates. And make sure he's the kind of guy who does his dishes. Like, is he the kind of roommate that just like eats his food and leaves his dishes in the sink waiting for someone else to clean that up? Yeah, that was so common at the hostel as well. If you move that guy in with you, you're going to be doing dishes and cooking for him for the rest of your life. And just general appearance as well. I hate to fit the stereotype, but it's not like homeless people go around smelling of cologne and in, you know, well-cut suits as well. So what's their grooming like? Do they wear the same? Telltale sign, actually, do they wear the same clothes every day? Because at the hostel, some of them, even though they could get clothes for free, but they would literally wear the same clothes for weeks 
months and not wash them. I shit you not. Um, so are they wearing the same clothes every day? Because if they are homeless, definitely. I don't know. So many episodes will say a bunch of stuff. And then at the end, it's like, so yeah, okay. End of episode. Boom. Like I want to have a conclusion, you know, <laughs> in conclusion. So that's sort of the, and so in conclusion, I think the homeless men question, since we're focusing on men in this one, is a lot more complex than people think. Yes, there are systemic issues that contribute to homelessness and not all of it is down to the individual, but there are so many individual differences. There can't be a blanket response. You know, like Rose said earlier on in the episode, even if you built everybody a house and paid their rent, you would still have people who are homeless because it's... Also, there is an element of agency and choices that we make and the consequences of the choices that we make as well. And that needs to be spoken about more. It's not enough to just say, just give everybody a house or just be really patient with them because ultimately people who are homeless, they can have, you know, maladaptive behaviors. They learn what works for them. And sometimes their behavior can be extremely destructive, you know, to the people around them and to the people who are trying to help them as well. They'll be like that homeless prophet that we talked about in that Rosa Scrote episode a few episodes back where he was trying to get some women to be part of his sister wife harem, but he didn't have a place to stay. But like, that's also a flavor of homeless man where the reason why he's homeless is because he doesn't want to quote play by the rules of society. And it's usually some like insane bullshit. Like, and those are just like seething narcissists (laughs) who are like trying to start a cult. Yeah extremely uncooperative. I guess our larger point (laughs) in this episode was that homelessness, like Savannah said, is a very complex problem. Don't let your empathy be weaponized against you, especially not in the dating market. But you know, because a lot of these guys are exactly where they need to be at this point in their life. They where they deserve to be. They're where they deserve to be. Uh, They've brought themselves there. Right. So people are going to pressure you to feel like you should extend yourself to help them directly or give these types of guys a chance. And the truth of the matter is for women, like it's only downside. Only downside. And as a woman as well, I really hope that women internalize the message that you don't owe, I wrote this on my Twitter account, but I'll repeat it here, is that you don't owe anybody your compassion, empathy, or sympathy. You give those out of your own volition. Like, don't feel like you have to feel sorry for homeless men just because society says you're a bad person if you don't. Like, you know, you get to decide, you know, who to give those feelings to. Don't be pressured into giving them the benefit of the doubt or making excuses for them just because society tells you that you should. It's perfectly okay. Because like I said, once again on the ground, a lot of the women the working class women that do give these guys a chance, those are the ones that you see on the news, you know, a month later with their baby shaken to death. Because again, these men are dangerous. So telling them like, oh, you should have compassion for this situation is actually the wrong thing to tell women. And honestly, I think this whole idea that working in the homeless sectors, it's rewarding to some degree, yes, but there's also a lot of trauma that goes with that reward to the point where it's effectively cancelled out. And again, I reference the high turnover is that these you know people come into it genuinely wanting to help, but they just don't get the respect or the regard that they deserve for trying to help these people. So I honestly think, from my experience anyway, that just like saying it's rewarding on its own is a bit of, you know, propaganda to get especially women to invest in these men who don't give anything back to them, even basic decency and respect. Yeah. To follow up on what you said, Svenna, women don't owe compassion and empathy. And if someone is demanding or is acting entitled to your compassion and your empathy, you need to run. That is a huge red flag. 
Yeah, exactly. Because the only people I know who are abusive people, that's an abusive mentality to feel entitled to your emotional labor, to feel entitled to your compassion. Yeah. Just to like to end on like a funny note as well. Like it was really wild in the homeless hostel as well. Like these guys would be straight up homeless, have nothing. You would know they have nothing. But then they'd hit on like the female staff. Yeah, audacity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're trying their options. They're seeing what they can get. As in like one a day. And I'm just like, but you're homeless. And I know you're homeless. I've seen your shithole room. Like, why do you think I would want to get with you? Why? They don't have shame. They're hustlers. You know, a lot of them are pimps too. Actual literal pimps, sex traffickers. So they don't have any respect or regard for women. It's all about exploitation at that point. Because at that ground level, when you're trying to meet your basic needs, like for a lot of men, their morality about that goes out the window. Mm -hmm. True. Yep. So that's the episode. Let us know what you think on the female dating strategy.com forward slash the forum. Check out our Patreon for bonus content on patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy and submit your roast discroats for our Thanksgiving roast. Check us out on Twitter at femdatstrat and on our Instagram at underscore the female dating strategy. Thanks for listening, queens. And for all you hobosexuals out there, you're one bad breakup away from being on the street. So earn your keep. Die mad. Mm-hmm.